one thing I love about um, inviting others to help, you know, read the scripture or give an announcement is then there's a lot of you that are like, am I going to be asked to come up in a second? And maybe. So pay attention because maybe you'll be called up in a moment. You'll have to take on part of the message. Who knows? Um, what I wanted to do this morning, much like last week, is just to remind us of some of the fundamental truth about Christmas that can get so lost in all the carry-on and crazy um, I don't know if you feel ready for Christmas yet. I don't, I, I don't think I feel ready for Christmas yet. I'm ready for a break, but anyone else ready? For, are you ready for Christmas? I don't know what, if you think about Christmas is in a week, does that bring terror and dread or, or something opposite? As a kid, Christmas always felt like it takes forever to get here. Like it's, it, it feels like a leap year thing. Like it's only, it happens like every four years maybe, but not every year. Uh, as a as a grown up, as an adult, it feels a bit more like we just got done with last year, or at least paying for it. Um, and it does sometimes feel like we're either surviving Christmas or we're celebrating it. And that's kind of the two camps we're in. And maybe we're bouncing back and forth from I got to survive this thing, I got to get through this week, I got to get through another office party, and then I can celebrate, or uh, or what? It feels like we're doing a little bit of both, and maybe. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate to the idea of I'm I'm surviving or that I'm celebrating. Um, but whatever it is, whichever one you're in, be honest with that feeling this morning, whether you're surviving or whether you're celebrating in this moment, because there is there's this tension of the craziness of Christmas, the, the hallmark magic of it, the good and the bad in that, and then there's the quiet reflective part, and somehow they sit together, and so there, there is a tension in just in the idea of Christmas. There's a tension in, in your schedule. There's too many things in the month of December. I'm just going to state it. I'm not even going to ask. There is. There's far too many things happening in the month of December. There's too many parties. There's far too many kids' things. There's even more invitations that I can't. I can't do. I can't do it. Um, we have multiple kids' performances this week, which I'm very excited about. But multiple is the key word. There's a lot of things. And there's Christmas shopping. And even if you enjoy buying gifts for people, if you're a gift giver, then you probably do a bit better in this. But even if you're that person, it can definitely feel like Christmas shopping is a, is a survive thing. It goes in the survive category. It's I've got to get through this. So maybe you're ready to celebrate. Maybe that doesn't kind of relate in this moment, but I'm sure you can relate to some of those tensions, some of those things that we go through through this month, through this, this season, this stuff going on. And it can be very easy to remain focused on the tensions and easy to remain focused on the survival and not focused on Jesus. And if we move into that survival season, that survival mode, sorry, during the Christmas season, it's often, I think, because we, we overlook or we forget about Jesus in this thing. We get wrapped up in the event, in the logistics, in the planning, in the wrapping, in the, in the trees, in the, in the glitter, in the lights. And when you feel that you're in survival mode, the chances are that's what it is. You're focusing just on the tasks, on the tension, on the stuff in front of you, the to-do list, the whatever it is, and you're overlooking Jesus. When you overlook Jesus, we move into survival. When we focus on Jesus, we stay in celebration. And that's what I want us to talk about today. The purpose of Christmas is celebration. It's a celebration. And we need to remember that, even amidst the crazy. So let me pray for a moment, and then let's jump in a bit more. Um, Father, thank you that we get to celebrate 
you and celebrate your great love um, this time of year. And we ask that you stay with us this morning as we hear from you and hear from your word and we sing and we spend uh, some time eating together and, and sharing life together. We just pray that you bless us and you work in and through and between all of us. Amen. So this morning, I want us to remember that, that, that we need to focus on Jesus, not just in the Christmas season, but in all seasons. So it's a Christmas reminder, but it doesn't just end next week. It doesn't end next Monday, and then you know, in eight days' time, we can go back. No, the whole point is this is a, a marker we're going to remember and take it on and take it through. Jesus is not just the reason for this season. He's a reason for all seasons, January through December, every day. And that's what I want us to go after. It's not just how we celebrate him in December and how we navigate a dark December night, but how do we celebrate him every day? Now, um, obviously, I didn't, like many of you, didn't grow up in New York. I didn't grow up in, in America. When I grew up in England, holidays look a little bit different um, for a start. Thanksgiving in England is called Thursday. Um, <laughs> So it's a little different. Uh, and because it's Thursday, then Christmas is the big one. Christmas is the only one. You know, and that's, the, that's the bright light in the, in the dark winter. Like you get through summer. The, the, there's a, uh, I was going to say federal holiday. That doesn't translate. But there's a holiday at the end of August. And that's when Harrods typically get their Christmas display up in August. Yes, I know. Because there's no Thanksgiving. Halloween is a little bit of a madness that we try and pretend to ignore. So really, we're just heading to Christmas. Christmas is a big thing. Christmas is the day that you eat the roast turkey, that kind of Thanksgiving dinner. That's a Christmas Day thing, mostly. We have um, Christmas crackers. Do you know what a Christmas cracker is? Super weird. So it's an empty toilet roll, okay? Uh, it's very British. Um, and then it's wrapped in, in some kind of paper and then twisted at the end, you know? Um, and then in the 60s, they thought, wouldn't this be fun if it like exploded a little bit? So there's like a little popper in it. And then you put inside little gifts. And so there's one on every place, a uh, place marker at the table, you know. And then you all you pull them and, and you win the gift inside. And the gifts are always terrible. That's, I don't know, that's a British thing, I think. But the thing that's most British about it, um, it, well, there's two things. One, you get a crown that you have to wear because Jesus is a king. So you have to wear a paper crown. But the other thing that is the most British thing about them is they all come with a joke. And the joke is intentionally terrible. Because a good joke will divide the room. Some will find that funny, some will not. A terrible joke, everyone hates. And it's a very British idea that, you know what, we should all rally together around being miserable and unhappy, because then at least we're the same. It's just very British, and I love everything about it. So we typically have Christmas crackers, because it's, it's weird and, and, and odd. Um, we, we have a Father Christmas instead of a Santa Claus. And we leave out mince pies, sweet mince pies, and sherry instead of cookies and milk. So uh, hopefully you're on the, the front end of, of Santa's list there. We have lots of candle at carol services, mulled wine, and there's this really bizarre tradition that you may or may not have ever heard about, and it's called the Christingle. And I verify that this is real still, and it wasn't a dream I had 20 years ago. It's real. And it's what a lot of like schools might do, or maybe faith groups like, I don't know, Boy Scouts or something might do this thing. And they do this, it's a, it's a church service, and um, you have an activity to start with. This is, this is amazing, and we're going to tell the Christmas story. It gets very weird very quickly. Everyone gets an orange, 
Mm -hmm. And this represents the world. You wrap a ribbon around the orange to represent the blood that Jesus shed for you. Okay, this is fine. You stick a candle in the top because of the light of the world. And then you stick four cocked, um, what do you call them? Uh, toothpicks in each of the, in, in the thing. And some candy on it because Jesus provides candy, apparently. And then you all stand, you light the candles, and you all stand in, in a big procession around the church and, and sing a, a Christmas song and hope you don't catch anyone's hair on fire. Um, and this is quite a big thing. It's called a Christingle. So you can look it up, and it's very odd. Um, but that's another thing that we do in England and probably, probably shouldn't do anymore. But the, the point is, there's differences in an, an English Christmas. Um, there's differences from Christmases in the 80s and there are now. There's differences in an American Christmas. But the one thing that is the same, the common thread, is that it's a time for celebration. We might celebrate in the weirdest ways, but it's still a place of celebration. So the birth narrative of Jesus is found in Luke 2, which Karen read for us. And I would encourage you during this season, this next week or so, read, read that again. Read it a few times. Read it every day. Read it over and over. Because you don't just see what happened when he was born, but you see the first people to celebrate him were not kings. They were not royalty. They were not leaders. They were not the elite. They were ordinary, ordinary shepherds. So picking up at that verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And this version uses that term snugly more than I realized. And I love everything about it. The first purpose of Christmas is to celebrate. But what are we celebrating? Well, the angel tells us at the beginning of that story, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. We're celebrating this most basic truth that God loves you. John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. God loved the world so much he gave his one and only son so that everyone believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The whole point of Christmas is to celebrate how much God loves you. He loves you so much, he sent, he came to earth as a human to, to show you that love, to give you the opportunity to love him back. By becoming a person, by sending his son, he gave us the ability to have a relationship in a way that, that no other part of creation can have. He created you in his image, uniquely, different from everyone else. He gave you taste buds to enjoy eggnoggy treats, Ears, so you can enjoy Mariah Carey this time of year. He could have made the world bland, tasteless, colorless, but for enjoyment, he gave us a variety of color and tastes and smells. He could have chosen a million different ways to communicate his love for us, but because he created us, he knew the best way is as a person, in person. I mean, we know that from a human experience. The best way to tell someone you love them is in person, and the worst way is through someone else. My friend likes you. <laughs> That's exactly what God does at Christmas. He personally tells us that he loves us. And the Bible tells us that God is love, not has love, 
not enjoys love, not is loving, but that love is the very essence of who he is. Everything God does is out of love, and nothing you can do can make him love you any more or any less. His love for you is infinite. Often at Christmas, people make a mistake to think of Jesus just as a baby and not really pursue it any, any further than that. But if the story ends there, Jesus is a helpless baby in his mother's arms, wrapped snugly in cloth. We've missed the point. Because Jesus grew up to be a, a man who demonstrated the love of God so completely, so perfectly, that through what he did, we can have a personal relationship with him, despite everything that we've done. In James, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possessions. And then in Ephesians, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to fully understand, but then you'll be made complete with the fullness of life and the fullness of power that comes from God. Now back to our passage in Luke. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the wonderful thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. They ran to the village. They found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. The shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God. You see, there was something in that encounter with Jesus that triggered something within their soul that made them celebrate. It says they went back and they told everyone. They were glorifying, they were praising God after that encounter. There was something there. There was uncontrolled excitement. And hidden in those verses is this appropriate response to Jesus, this response of celebration. When they hear about Jesus, they ran. They tell everyone. They glorify God. They praise him. Can you think back to the time when you first encountered Jesus? The excitement around that time. The thrill of being a new believer. And, and he's, I'm, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. There's a new excitement. There's a new enthusiasm. You're convinced that when you have children, you'll probably put them in a manger too. Because you're so excited about what has happened. So then what's happened? Why did the good news stop being so good? What happened in your own life where the enthusiasm of being a follower of Jesus ebbs away? Why isn't Jesus worthy of being celebrated every day of the year? Why just once? Now, of course, the problem isn't, isn't Jesus' worthiness. It's our forgetfulness. If you're like me, which I'm assuming you are, we just forget. We forget about the wonder. We forget about the majesty. And the good news evolves into news. Sometimes old news. Heard that. Been there. Done that. The news of God's word becomes... The, sorry, the, the news of God's word is informational, but becomes no longer transformational. We have so much going on in life that we think that we worry about all this other stuff, and we lose our focus. We forget. We forget about Jesus. And I want us to remember. And I want us to remember what God has done for us, for me. I, I think God wants us to remember. The word remember is used hundreds of times 
in the Bible. So if you're forgetful in this, in this realm, you're not alone. There's a legacy of very forgetful followers of, of Jesus, of the Lord. In the Old Testament, if we go all the way back to the Old Testament and we talk about Moses all the time, there is chapter and chapter of these people filled with God's followers who are so forgetful. God provides, meets their needs, loves on them, and then the next day they turn their backs and they've forgotten. They're worshiping artists. They're forgetful people. We've talked about this before. When Moses goes up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, he's up there. And he's up there for a little bit of time. It's not an afternoon. He's up there for a little bit. And his followers, not just, not just his followers, not just like the, the, the people really distant from him, the key leaders too, forget about God while he's gone. They melt down their gold. They make idols to worship. In Exodus, the Lord says to Moses, quick, go down the mountain. The people you brought from Egypt have defiled themselves. They have already turned away. And I think the already turned away people are us. From the way I commanded them to live, they've turned away from that command. They've made an idol like a calf. They've worshipped and sacrificed to it. And they're saying, these are your gods, O Israel, that brought you out of Egypt. And the idea, if you read that narrative in Exodus, the idea that they forgot what God has done for them is crazy. It's like the plot of a really frustrating movie where they keep going back and doing the same thing. They won't learn from their mistakes. It's like every Scooby-Doo episode. Like, come on, take the mask off. The end is always the same. How do you forget so many times? And it would be funny if it wasn't so true and tragic that we do the same thing. You fast forward to the New Testament. You have God in the flesh. You have Jesus walking around, surrounded by his best friends, his disciples, his closest followers, and they are forgetful. Jesus fed 5,000 people, provided this miracle with a couple of fish and a few loaves. And a few days later, they're with another crowd, and Jesus says, don't let these people go hungry, feed them. And one of the followers says, where will we get the food? Really? I mean, really? You'd think the response would be, oh, well, a couple of days ago, you did that thing with bread and fish. Can you do it again? Can you do that water to wine thing again? Because you're God, you've proven that. Do it again. That was awesome. They're hungry. Let's do it again. Let's provide dessert this time. Come on, we can do better. Let's keep going. This is great. Look what Jesus says when they say, why will we get the food? He says, don't you remember? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with loaves and the basket of food that was left over? Don't you remember the 4,000 I fed with seven loads and the baskets of food left over. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Please don't forget. Remember that. Remember this. Don't forget. And the disciples remind me too much of myself, probably for you as well. We're all right there, painfully forgetful. And as far as I've walked in my journey with Jesus, there are times I forget to celebrate his goodness. I forget to worship what he's done. And I need to celebrate. I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to myself. I need to celebrate that because of Jesus, I've been saved. Because of Jesus, I don't have to pay for my sins, for my actions. Because of Jesus, I have God's power in me. Because of Jesus, there's a place reserved for me in heaven. Because of Jesus, I can keep growing while I'm here and changing. I don't have to be the same. So why do we celebrate? We celebrate because where my life ends doesn't end. It just ends here. And if you're a follower of Jesus, death has no sting. Jesus says in John 5, I assure you, those who listen to my message 
who believe in God, who sent, believe in God who sent me, they have eternal life. You believe and you belong. They'll never be condemned for their sins. They've already passed from death to life. In Romans 5, just as sin ruled over people and brought them to death, God's wonderful kindness now rules instead, giving us right standing with God, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you're a Christ follower, you've got to celebrate that. It is worth a celebration. What would life look like? What would your life look like if you were to go through life with a daily attitude of celebration? I think it would be a lot richer. I think faith would be a lot stronger. I think your struggles, your challenges, and they'd still be there. But I think they'd feel a bit lighter. I think perspective in life would be brighter. I think attitude would be positive. Purpose, clearer. Relationships, I think, would be deeper. Celebration wouldn't be limited to just a season, to just a month, to just a day. Every day could be Christmas. But what if, what if we became people who instead of being known for being forgetful, we're remembered for having an unforgettable faith, an unforgettable attitude of celebration? What if we were those people? Emmanuel, God is with us. So let's celebrate. Will you pray with me? Jesus, your great love for us is clear. Help us to be less forgetful. Help us to celebrate you, to keep you in the forefront of our minds, to be the lens that we see all things through, the good, the bad, the indifferent, that every day is a day about you, that it isn't one day reserved for you, but every day it's reserved for you. So this, this year, this next week, Jesus, break into our hearts and minds, break into our conscious thought. Be the thing we think about when we go to sleep, when we wake up. Help us to celebrate you. Help us to follow that example of the shepherds, telling everyone what we have seen. Amen.